Well, as you can see, things are a little different up here. This morning is uh, not going to be uh, a sermon as much as it is a conversation. So for those who are liking that a little better, you're like, amen. To those who are wanting more of a sermon, just come back next week. I promise it'll still be here. Uh, And uh, last week um, as well was probably more of that sermon kind of piece. And this morning, I thought it'd be good um, just to have a conversation together um, as we only have two weeks in parenting, and so as you know, it is impossible. There's no way we're going to cover everything you need to know about parenting in two weeks. That was not the purpose, um, but the purpose was, as we said last week, is really to kind of set this up as saying, parenting is a process, uh, much as your own spiritual growth is a process. Um, just as a caveat to that, let me just say, sometimes I think in church, like, as believers, we can assume like we've been believers for five years or we've trusted in Jesus for 10. And so we should have our act together after 10. And uh, the, the truth of the matter is, I don't know that we ever fully get there, right? I don't know that on this planet, you're going to get to the point where you're like, finally, I'm like Jesus. Um, and then you're going to be ready for heaven. That just doesn't happen. Um, but hopefully you're growing um, in your faith in Jesus Christ. For those who have been Christians for only a couple years, um, I've seen it in you. Um, that There's just been a tremendous growth. For those who have been Christians for years and years and years, uh, you, you hopefully slowly just become more and more Christ-like. And uh, same is true in our parenting. Um, we, we said last week we never outgrow parenting. We never stop parenting. It's not like, you know, they reach a certain golden age and you're like, phew, nailed that. You know, and we just kind of send them out and um, don't phone call them or talk to them ever again because they've hit that golden age or whatever. It just doesn't happen that way. Parenting is always there. And it's a process. And so as we said last week, in that process, there's a bunch of different methods that you can use uh, in order to parent. And so this morning is a method. Uh, So please hear us in saying that uh, we do not have all the answers. Um, We have made plenty of mistakes. Um, You can ask our kids. Um, We have failed many, many times. Um, And there's been successes, there's been failures, but along the way I feel that we've we've grown in it. And, um, you know, being together for now 20 years and 15 of that being parenting. Um, I think we've, we've kind of learned some things along the way, things we wish we'd do differently, things we wish we could have done better, but also things we really love and things we really celebrate. And so this morning is going to be just that. It's going to be a conversation, a way of kind of talking about things, but probably not the way and, you know, um, that kind of thing. And so um, if you have your Bibles, uh, I want to just jump in beginning-wise in Deuteronomy. We've done this many times before. If you've seen the children's ministry down there, you also realize that this is part of their world as well. Um, but Deuteronomy chapter 6 is uh, one of the clearest versions of what it takes to parent, um, what the biblical model mandate is for parenting. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 6, um, specifically verse 7 to 9, in the beginning of chapter 6 is called the Shema. It's the, it's the big thing among the Jewish faith. They recite it all the time uh, when they gather together, and it's basically acknowledging that the Lord our God is one, uh, and that is true. But I want to head into the second part of that, uh, verses 7 to 9. You shall teach them, this is uh, your children, so you shall teach them, or I'm sorry, the, the laws and rules, you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them, the laws, the rules, this God is one, the Bible for us today uh, is 
basically what we're trying to impart to our kids. You shall talk about them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, uh, this models much of what Paul talks about later in his letters where he says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So in our parenting, he says, your parenting shouldn't just be uh, advocated to certain hours of the day, but it should be all the time. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, you shall put them everywhere so that God is a constant reminder in your home. And for us, uh, we wanted to start there because we feel that much of our parenting and everything that we're going to talk about today has been, um, I guess, flushed out or, or lived out in these ideas of sitting in your house, walking in the way, and those kind of things. And so um, for me, I feel like uh, this idea of those specific methods um, have been huge. Um, most of this could be found for us in uh, early on. Uh, this was bedtime for us. We did a lot of our sharing Christ and stories and God and, and our bedtime activities. We had a whole routine before they went to bed, and this was a huge part of it, um, where we didn't have family devos, per se. My dad tried that in my house, and it failed miserably, uh, and he demanded that we all be there for family devotions. We're going to love God together, and I'm like, this sounds great. Um, I can't wait to meet with God if he, if he looks like this right now. Because uh, nobody would listen. You know, my brother and I were punching each other, and things were happening all over the place. And there was chaos, and, you know. But this was part of the thing. We just said, you know, we want to really go to bed every evening just really acknowledging who God is. And um, the other part was, um, I don't know if you want to share any, any of those as well, but that was a big thing for us is, is the evening times were really big for that. And since then, that's kind of gone away. That was when we were young, they were real young. We don't have bedtime routines per se anymore, um, but it was a huge thing growing up. And so I don't know if there's anything you want to speak of on that as far as sit down on the way and things like that that were part of our parenting early on. Um, I think my favorite thing about this passage and also just looking through scripture is that scripture is not abundantly prescriptive as far as parenting goes. There's not a passage in here that says this is exactly how you're supposed to parent. This is exactly what every family should look like. It leaves it very open. And I love that fact because it lets us as parents and as families take those unique gifts, take those unique abilities, take all of those things that make you, you, and you get to parent in a way that makes sense for your family. And this is the guideline. This is the thing of ultimately we're pointing our children towards Christ in everything that we do, but there are thousands of different ways to do that and to do that well. And so I think that's one of the biggest things that we want you to hear as well is that there's not one way to do this, but if you're doing this, if in those moments, if in those small moments of the day, in those times when conversations come up, in those times when you're disciplining, if you're always looking towards this type of a passage of we always want to be pointing our children towards Christ in everything that we do, that's great. And if we're all doing that, then praise God. Right. I think that that's the ultimate goal of what we are doing. Right. And I think bedtimes, I think just practically, uh, bedtime's changed to drive time for us. We do a lot of our parenting in our drive time. Um, that's where we get into most conversations randomly. Because we're in the car all the time. 
all the time. <laughs> you become like Uber drivers when you get to this phase in your life, um, apparently. I, nobody told me that. Well, somebody did, and I didn't believe them, but it's true. Um, <laughs> where you're just parenting, every, where you're just driving everywhere. And so if you're in the car all the time, you're parenting in the car. And so um, what often happens is most of our discussions happen best in the car, especially if you have boys. Uh, I found this true in youth ministry, uh, that the best time to parent your boys is in the car. Because they, boys, you, you know this, guys, we, we just do not like to make eye contact. Uh, we do not like to talk about deep things. And so I found the best time in youth ministry was I'd grab some middle schoolers. We'd hop in the, whatever it was at that point, SUV, whatever, van, whatever it was. And uh, I would make sure that our drive time was a little longer because I always knew I could get conversation because they could look straight ahead or out the window and and we'd be talking about some pretty heavy stuff, but they never make eye contact, right? And they never had to. It was a beautiful thing. And so uh, there's something about driving that, uh, that gives it that freedom. Like, I don't have to engage or I can engage when I want to. And I'm telling you, I, I've had a lot of different conversations, and you probably are, have as well, where you're driving, and then all of a sudden this random question comes out of nowhere, and you're like, I wasn't ready for that. Uh, so I've had many theology lessons with our children in the car, uh, and not always the best ones at times, but um, drive time seems to be a big one for us uh, right now, as well as right after school for us right now. And so we say that because, as Carrie said, it doesn't matter really when, but as long as you're able to kind of use these key moments to talk about God and your faith, that's key. For grandparents, like this, this is that time when they're just over at your house hanging out, right? Uh, this is that time where they're just seeing you love them the way that you love your spouse. And you're talking about things that are important in your life. And you're showing them different things of how to do stuff. Or if you're an aunt and uncle, it's, it's when, you know, you have that special time with them or going out or whatever. It's, it's part of that, that kind of model. And so we want to just offer that as kind of our, our launching point from here. And then as Carrie said, we really want to talk into three different, well, you didn't say this, but this is where we're going to head. Uh, we're going to talk about three different categories this morning. And the first one, I'm going to let her kind of start off, but you mentioned it in the beginning that this is kind of the template, right? This is kind of like the, if you can get this down, however you work it out is great. To put that into our spiritual growth, he's like, as long as you're becoming more Christ-like, there's some boundaries and some rules but don't get so caught up in I've got to match the exact will of God for my life or I'm going to be out of it. There's a lot of freedom in Jesus. And we see it in our parenting. And in that freedom, it allows us to parent um, kind of out of our weakness. But we want to talk a little bit more about what that means to parent out of Christ versus parenting out of ourselves. So I'll let you kind of share a little bit about what that looks like. So here's the truth. When God gave you your children... He knows you. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your past. He knows your future. He knows all of it. And he still entrusted you with these little people to take care of. And he's not surprised by what you bring to the table. He's not surprised by how you respond to them. And yet somehow we have this sense that God's expecting perfection. And that if we don't achieve perfection, our children will somehow suffer for it. Um, so we wanted to talk about, as we were brainstorming, what it means to parent out of ourselves and out of our weaknesses, knowing that we all bring weaknesses to our parenting. What are some of the main ones that we feel like, as a church, we consistently hear and consistently see and consistently um, feel like are a pulse for us? And so the first one that we came up with was the idea of fear and control. Um, because we've heard a lot of those lately, and we've experienced a lot of those ourselves. Um, so fear is instantaneous. 
when you are even thinking about having a child before you even have one. There's the question of, what if I can't have a child? What if I get pregnant and I eat the wrong thing and hurt the child? What if I accidentally take an ibuprofen because I don't know that I'm pregnant and then I realize that I'm going to hurt the child that's in me that's growing that I didn't know was there? What if when the child is born, they stop breathing? What if I give them formula and they should be breastfed? What if I breastfeed them and they should be formula fed? What if I let them cry in their bed for a few minutes too long and they somehow then suffer for the rest of their lives with attachment issues? What if... Guys don't think this way. (laughs) Every woman in the room, yes? Yeah, okay. Um, Yeah. What if they end up too much like me? What if they end up too much like him. What if they make all of the same mistakes I did? What if they make more mistakes than I did? What if they can't make friends? What if they make the wrong friends? What if they date the wrong person? What if that person hurts them and he kills them? What if... What if, what if, what if, what if? At night, what ifs are rolling through your mind constantly from the time that they're itty-bitty to the time when, I'm assuming, still when they're grown and they are adults and they are on their own. These what-ifs are still in our head. The problem with that is that puts us in the seat of control, and it makes the assumption that if I can do things right, I can protect them from every single possible thing that might go wrong in their life. We can't do that. I cannot single-handedly protect my children from every single possible thing that might happen to them. Okay, If you go back to the verse, the whole idea is I'm pointing them towards Jesus in everything that I do. But my job is not to control every response that they have to every situation. Um, So a lot of you, and myself included, um, we like to control the situation out of fear and because it makes us feel safer when we have control. What I want to challenge you with is the idea of everybody's seen The Lion King. Okay. Everybody has seen that little Simba scene in the beginning when he gets lifted up and everybody, all of the animals are super excited and it's the, I'm not going to sing it for you, but it's that very, very exciting scene in the beginning. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, and I think when we have children, that's that sense of, oh, we have this child and this child now becomes the center of our entire universe. And at one point, it might have been myself that's in the center, or at different points, my job might be in the center, or my spouse might be in the center. Now we have this child, and this child becomes the center of our entire existence. Everything that we do, every decision that we make, every fear that we have revolves around the child. Okay, guess what? Your kids don't want to be the center of your universe. Kids in the room, yes? You don't want to be the center of mom and dad's universe. You don't want to be the center of every ounce of energy that they have. The only thing that should be in the center of anything that we do is God. And when he becomes the center, then I parent differently. Then it becomes I discipline in a way to bring glory to God. I laugh and joke with my kids in a way to bring glory to God. I answer their questions in a way to bring glory to God. I pack their lunches in a way to bring glory to God. So suddenly I move them out of the middle and I put God where he should be. So then my parenting changes and it takes the control away from me because ultimately my job is to bring glory to God. And it's one of my favorite passages in 1 Corinthians 10.31 of whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do to the glory of God. So whether you're changing diapers 
or putting your kids to bed at night. Do all for the glory of God. Whether you're teaching your kids to drive or vetting their dates that are coming to pick them up, do all for the glory of God. Whatever phase you're in, it's that idea of instead of being terrified of what might happen, I am going to do my best to glorify God in each situation that comes up. Let me speak to the guys then. So the guys is a little different, right? Uh, in our parenting, we, uh, we were told uh, that when we first got married that eventually maybe possibly we'll talk about kids, right? Uh, to which you were kind of like, okay, in the future that may sound like an awesome thing to do, possibly, perhaps. And then the conversation continues and then eventually you end up having kids and you enjoy the process of having kids, but you don't really enjoy when you actually have a kid. And so then you get the kid. And this is, this is amazing. This is, this is when, at least for me, uh, that when I hit that hospital room for the first time and the first cry that comes out and, and the first real uh, task of parenting is when they uh, put the baby in that little, uh, make sure you had the car seat and, you know, the whole thing, which I didn't even know you had to do that. <laughs> I was like, you got to have a what, what? And so like, do you have the car seat? I'm like, Oh, yeah, it's downstairs. I got to get that. So car seat, and you get the kid in the car. And as you're driving back, I don't know if, you've, if this hits you or not as a parent, but you drive back, and you're like, oh, my word, they let us leave, right? Uh, they had no idea that they let it in the hands of this guy. Like, I can barely control my own life, uh, let alone that kid's life. And so uh, most of us, I feel like as men, we have a hard time, maybe not so much with fear, as much as we have a really hard time with control. Uh, we have a really hard time with control and we have a really hard time with appeasement. And so I think for most men in the room, our fight and our battle with our parenting is not so much am I parenting my kid the right way, but am I making my wife happy? Uh, And that's the wrong question. Let me just put that out there. That is the wrong question. Because the more you ask that question, the more you're going to be trying to serve a God that is not God. Does that make sense? The more you ask the question, is my wife happy? Am I parenting the way she wants me to parent? Am I putting the right diaper on the way that she wants me to put the diaper on? Which that's a whole battle in of itself, by the way. If you've not been there, you'll be there when you parent. And like, you're doing it the exact same way and you're like, done, right? And the thing's like barely hanging on and it's there, but you're like, done, I did it, you know? And it's not the right way or you didn't do the right heat up or the right thing and you didn't, you know... A lot of us as men, unfortunately, get caught up in the trap of just making our spouses happy, which then will translate, if I can't make her happy, then I'll at least try and make my kid happy. And if I try and make my kid happy, that'll at least feed something in me where I can control some kind of emotion in my house. And maybe this is just me speaking as far as having three girls in the house. I don't know if it's different for guys, but the amount of emotion that comes in the room with three girls at a young age... I could barely raise my voice and there were tears. You know what I mean? Other parents are like, I would love that because my kids, like, I raise my voice and it doesn't even matter, right? So I don't know where that lands for you, but I do know that most guys aren't going to fight as many of the fears, perhaps, of am I going to break them? Am I going to do all that kind of stuff? I think that's there. But I think far more for us, our battle and our fight is who am I trying to make happy today? right? I'm, I'm providing the good paycheck. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the right things I should be doing. I'm, I'm trying to, to make sure I understand, you know, her needs and the baby's needs. And, and then all of a sudden that breaks when you come home one day and your wife is sobbing out of control and the baby's screaming in another room. And I walk in the room and I'm like, okay, I can't make both happy. I can't do it. Like one's sobbing out of control. The other one's like having a, a demon possession, something going on in the room. And I just look in the room and I'm like, what do you want me to do? 
And there's that honest moment where she's like, just get her out, right? And I'm like, okay, I can do that. And so, you know, you put them in the thing and you try and drive around and control. But there is so much appeasement, I think, that unfortunately can, can, can plague us as men. But here's, here's the deal. You are never going to be in control, ever. You, you're never going to be able to control your child enough. Even if at a young age you can control them, right? Because you're bigger, stronger, faster, smarter than they are. Eventually, that's not going to be the case. And, and eventually, they're going to be bigger and smarter and faster than you are. And so you need to figure out, if I can't control them, that's going to be a problem for you down the road. Because at 18, uh, it's happened in our house where the 18-year-old tried to be controlled and it didn't work out so well. And uh, we, we don't, I don't want that for us as men in the room. That we are not trying to appease our wives. We're not trying to just make our kids happy. And we are definitely not trying to fight for control. What we are doing as men is we are to be leading and we're to be asking Christ every single day, God, what do you want for my family? God, what do you want for my kids? God, what do you want for my spouse? How can I lead her in truth? How can I encourage her in truth? How can I lead my kids in a way? How can I, and here's probably the better question you need to ask on a consistent basis as men, God, how can you kill the selfishness and sin in my life that makes me want to go crazy, right? Let's just be honest. There are days where we just are just angry and, and out of control, and we don't want to be that way, but just life just kicks in. We've had a rough day at work, and our boss has been an idiot for the third time that hour, and, and, and we just are just tired. And, and let's just be honest and say, you know what? We're not here to appease. We're not here to control. We're here to surrender. And I think if you hear anything from us as, as, as parents, especially as a dad, I'm telling you, live a life that's, that's, that's built on this idea of how do I surrender every single day to the control of Christ in my life and not to just trying to control and manipulate every situation because you're going to drive yourself crazy. And wives, honestly, you know, the more you lead, the more you don't just try to appease, uh, the better it is for you as a man. I'll just put it that way. Right? It's good. It's good. That's all I'm going to say. Second one, parenting out of ourselves, is um, not only control and fear, but uh, I think if we're honest, it's this two things of our past and fatigue. So, um. so I'm going to talk, I think, mainly about fatigue. Uh, I thought I understood what being tired was, and then I had a newborn. <laughs> and then you realize what really being tired is and how unbelievably exhausting it is um, to be a parent. So last week, Joel talked about different phases that you go through. Um, Anybody who's talked to me about parenting, I always talk about seasons and how there's different seasons that come and go in parenting, and they're all different, um, but there's an end to one and a beginning of the next, and you kind of move through them. And you can't treat them all the same, and you can't expect yourself to be able to do all of the same things in the different seasons. So as you think about the newborn years, there's a tiredness that you've never experienced before. Okay, There is sleep deprivation. There is this new little person that needs all of your energy and things like that. As you think about the toddler years, the word that came to my mind was feeling weary because of the amount of discipline. There are those days where you feel like I have disciplined all 
day long. There is nothing that came out of my mouth that wasn't, no, don't do that. Go sit in the corner, go and time out, whatever it might be. But it was the entire day of feeling like it was just discipline. Um, school age years, for me, the word that I wrote down with that was feeling drained. That was the point in time that I started working full time. A lot of you have only seen me in this role and in this phase where I've been working full time and you'd you forget that there was a time when my kids were little and I was home with them. Um, so as women, understand that you can't do everything in all of the different seasons that come and go. Give yourself the grace to understand that there is a deep sense of fatigue that you will feel in different ways and in different phases. And God has fully equipped you to handle it. Um, one of the passages that I wrote down for this one was 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. So most gladly, therefore, I, will, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. There are moments that you will feel weak, and yet we have Christ who promises to fill us, to sustain us, to empower us and to work through our weaknesses so that you don't have to feel like you somehow have to conquer everything um, as you're going through them. So there's not a way that we can really escape fatigue. I think that's just something that comes along with being a parent and the energy that takes that it takes with that. Um, but it is also relying heavily on Christ so that, that fatigue doesn't turn into all of its lovely friends of anxiety and depression, and perfectionism, and irritability, and numbness, and all of those things that can come out of fatigue. So learning how to lean really, really hard into the Holy Spirit in those seasons, so that you don't lean hard into some of those other things that are also fighting for your attention. I think with that, not just fatigue, but I think we we know that we all come from parents. We've all come from models of parenting, and some really, really good, and some really, really not good, and some on the extreme level of not good, and and so we want to be aware of that, that there are some that it's just, you know, you would never want to emulate what your parents did. Others, you would say, man, I just love that my parents always made time for or did or whatever it is, and you, you, you parent out of the way you were parented, and so for me, uh, there, there's things that I decided early on that I wanted to emulate from my parents, and there were certain things that I never wanted to emulate from my parents, and uh, I, say, I would say the same is true for them, that they would look at their parents, and they would say there are certain things that they did that, I, that were great, certain things they don't. But here's the reality I think that we have to understand is that we parent the way we were parented, right? And here's the thing. You were parented differently than your spouse was parented, right? And so she was parented very differently than I was, and there were certain rules at our house that didn't make the list at her house. Uh, and vice versa. And even in dating, I remember there was just certain moments, and you could probably recall this in your dating experience with, with your spouse, where you know you, you had certain rules that you walked over their house, and you're like, that's a weird rule? Or, or why do they always eat together? Or why do they always, like, we never really, we, we, did, we had family dinners, but it wasn't like we actually talked. It was more of like, just finish it so you can get to the TV, and that was kind of the way we did it. Uh, or, or my house was never really, let's talk about feelings or things like that. It was more of like, let's just get things done and move on. And so it was just very different. And, and and, and I think, I don't want to go a ton down that road, but I think we're all aware that we parent out of the way we were parented. 
And so I think it's worth a conversation with your spouse of just having that conversation. Hopefully you've had it by now, maybe not. Um, it'd be a good thing to do is just say, hey, we, I was raised like this. Does that translate here uh, into this or, or not? Because what often happens is if we don't have that conversation, we can be parenting very differently um, and we can be parenting in the way we, we were growing up. And, and here's what happens is if we don't talk about it, then we don't really understand each other, right? It's not that I'm trying to be a jerk and, and, and just parent the way I want to parent with, with, with Carrie. It, it's more of like, if, I don't, if she doesn't understand um, this is kind of my upbringing, she can't walk into that with me. If I don't understand kind of her upbringing, I can just say, well, she's always just wanted to parent that way and, you know, just leave it at she always, which is a terrible place to be, right? You know that as a spouse. And so you want to understand a little bit of our past and try to explain that a little bit because we all parent out of our past. You see it biblically throughout scripture that they, they parent based off of how they parented. I mean, you look at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They all had the same problem. They all lied and they all tried to like use their wives in really bad ways. I mean, they just, just watch the pattern. Like it just, every, it never really got fixed until later on because they never addressed how the past affected their present. So as guys, I think it's just important to just really put that stuff out there as you parent. And, and also as, as guys, I think probably all together, also know this, that, that your past and how you parent all that stuff, here's a reality. I think it goes back to what you said originally of, you know, ourselves and our, our, our trusting God in it. You've never, I say this all the time to people, but you've never been where you are right now, right? You, you've never been in this phase of life before. You've never parented with X amount of kids. You've never parented at this age. You've never had to deal with it. We've never been parents of middle school, high schoolers. We, we've talked about it, and we thought, man, that's going to be interesting. How are we going to work that? Especially as a youth pastor at that point, I was like, I don't know how it's going to work because youth pastor days were youth pastor days. And so um, I, I, just, I just, you know, those kind of things, like you've never been where you are, so cut yourself some slack and don't feel like you have to nail it every single day, okay? Don't feel like, oh, man, I should have, I could have, like, why? You've never been here before. Learn. Adjust. You know, you're not going to get it perfect, but I think if we know some of those conversations in the past, it helps. Second thing is this, and I want to talk briefly about this, and, and that is this, that no matter what in our parenting, I feel like the one thing we've always talked about is we want to fight for a relationship with our kids. We want to parent in a way that we will have a long-term relationship with our kids, that they'll want to hang out with us when they're gone, graduated, have their own kids. They're going to want to spend time with mom and dad. And so we thought about that really early on, even in how we disciplined and how we set rules and things like that. And here's a passage that kind of really struck me out of 1 Kings as I was talking about relationship. And this is David. Uh, we did a whole series on David. Uh, eventually, I'd like to do a whole series on the kings of the Bible because I think there's a ton we can learn and there's a ton that just is applicable to today, but that's a maybe next summer thing. Um, but David, he says this, and David was very old and no matter, oh, I don't know if I should share that or not. This is bad parenting, but rabbit trail. Uh, before we had kids, we had chihuahuas uh, and... Uh, <laughs> This is nothing to do with parenting. This is just this passage. Uh, so King David had this uh, nurse 
and this nurse was like a, a blanket to keep him warm kind of thing, and uh, that was all she was there for. And so we had chihuahuas at that point, and our first chihuahua, uh, I'm like, can we name it Abishag? And so that's the name of the nurse because it's supposed to keep him warm, but the chihuahua's like this size, and thought, thought it'd be very funny and ironic that we called her Abishag, which we, did, we ended up calling her Abby, but that's a whole other story. But anyway, uh, in his old age, he had this Abishag, and she was with him, and she cared for him. And basically, the story is setting it up that David's really old and advanced in years, right? He, he's not really making many decisions right now. He's just kind of old and, and beyond. So this is the beginning of First Kings. Verse 5, at that time, David's son Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, decided to make himself king in place of his aged father. So Adonijah basically says, dad's old and decrepit. He's not going to know that I set myself up as king, so I'm going to set myself up as king. So he provided himself with chariots and horses and recruited 50 men to run in front of him. It's not very many, but at least it's a presence. Hey, this guy's got the show. He's going to be king. And uh, he, he says, uh, running in front of him, verse 6 is key. Uh, now his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time, even by asking, what are you doing? David never once disciplined Adonijah. And the story is also going to be true that one of his favorite sons, Absalom, he never parented. And when you look at the results of these two guys, uh, Adonijah ends up trying to take down his dad to be king. Uh, Absalom is a whole other train wreck. And on top of that, there's other things that I can't get into in mixed company uh, that happened in David's life through his kids that were just terrible, terrible tragedies. And David's response to all of his kids was just simply like, eh, I guess I'll just trust that they're going to do what they're going to do. There was never real any true parenting in David. There was never any real relationship. And so for us, the second one here is role of relationships is key. Um, And I want us to see that as we parent, one of the best things you can do is to fight for the relationship and not just fight for the rule. Does that make sense? So when they were real younger, real younger, when they were really young, uh, (laughs) I speaks goods. Uh, When when they were really young, um, there was a lot of different rules we had to make all the time, right? And every single rule, there was the normal reaction. No, right? There was an old reaction of, I'm not going to. There was a will versus their will, and some days they won, some days we won, and ultimately it was just this, you know, it was a back and forth. And then when they hit the threes and fours, it's just like game over, right? I mean, they just, I am king of the house, and I'll show you that I'm king of the house. And you're like, you are not king of this house, right? And so it's this whole thing that happens. But no matter what, even in the midst of all of that, we would always remind ourselves and go back to, okay, what we parent in now is going to set the tone for relationship in the future. And we want to have a relationship in the future. So there were certain things in grade school, there are certain things even now that aren't our preference that, that our kids would do. They're, they're not our preference as far as like which rules we would we'd automatically just enforce. But for the sake of the relationship, we give grace and we don't maybe come down as hard as, as we possibly could or... We still put boundaries and, and things in place, but we always fight for the relationship. And that comes in not only when we parent well, the fighting for the relationship probably comes more when we, when we mess up, um, where there are many, many days where uh, work wins out or life wins out and I come home and life is one, uh, work is one, and, and all of a sudden like they come home and dad's, you know, dad uh, at times. And, and, and so they understand like, man, how do you parent in that? Well, there are times where I don't parent well 
in those situations. And I have to go back later and say, you know what, for the sake of the relationship, I've got to make the time that evening um, or possibly the next day once things have kind of settled to go back and say, hey, I took some stuff home with me that is not you. Um, I took some stuff out of the, the day that is not you, and, and, and I, I just I need you to forgive me because I, I didn't you know, handle that the right way. Uh, there are times where they are uh, in their own world, and they, they want to do their own thing, and, and there's you know, a lot of things happening right now uh, in our house. Uh, and so uh, there, there are times where I have to fight for the relationship that way too, where they may say something or react to something, and it hits me, and I'm like, you don't say that. You know what I mean? And, and I can parent that way, and I can definitely you know, hold the line that there's a respect factor that has to happen in our house. But at the same time, I don't freak out because I know that there's a relationship at stake and not just a rule at stake. Does that make sense? And so I, I, we still enforce rules, but there's a difference between enforcing rules for the sake of the rule versus modeling, we want a relationship with you. And your child needs to see the joy, not only in the relationship between you and your child, your child needs to see the joy in the relationship between you and your spouse. And if they see that mom and dad are, are, are good and, and they love each other and they're a team and they work together and they move forward together, there is something secure about that from, from, from one till the time they're 18, that they just, they just thrive on the ability to see their parents be human and, and love each other as a couple. And then I think there's also a key here in relationships, and this will be my last one, but I think there's also a key thing about relationships that is not only this but is relationships to the body of the Christ, of the church, right? They need to see mom and dad have relationships outside of just the two of them. I'm telling you this again and again and again, and, and you probably won't see it until probably middle school, high school years, but they need to see that mom and dad have friends outside of just mom and dad. They need to see how they handle relationships that are not just in the house. They need to see you interact with people at your house. They need to see you have friends over. They need to see you have, have parties together. They need to see how you interact with the body of Jesus Christ. They need to see that you are modeling relationships on a given week by saying, we're going to church. We're going to be at church. Not for the sake of we need to be at church because we have to be at church, but for the sake of we are trying to model that just as they need healthy relationships, mom and dad need healthy relationships. And if they don't see you making those relationships central and focus on those, they just see you as, I, I do my job, I come home, I yell at my wife, and then I just sit down and I do my thing. They're going to parent how you parent. They're going to they're gonna catch on to that. If they see that you prioritize relationships, so for us, we, we prioritize time with our friends because we, we want them to see that that's a priority for us. And as we do that, we are showing them what the body of Christ is. It's relationships. It's not just being at church. It's the, the relationship side of it. And, and I think that's crucial for all of us because you're modeling relationships to your kids all the time. Last caveat on that. You never want to set your kids up that all of their relationships, and I use this all the time, so forgive me, you've probably seen this. You never want to set your kids up that every relationship is an A-frame relationship, right? That it's just me and Carrie and me and Carrie on the world, and we just take on everybody together and, and me and her together, and if she ever leaves me, kaboom, right? Everything falls apart. I tell this all the time in dating in middle school, high school. 
They're, they're so like, I have to have him. He's my world. I'm like, I know, sweetie, he is. Um, and and, 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 and he, he, loves, he cares, and he's, he's going to be forever. And, and, and all of a sudden, like, all their time, energy gets sucked into that relationship. It becomes an A-frame relationship, so that they're leaning on each other like this. What happens when one of them breaks up? You know this. Never gonna make it. He's never, I'm never getting married. I'm never. You're right, you're right. Because of that idiot, you're never gonna have any other relationship because you're an idiot and he's an idiot. And because you did this, it's never. You didn't want to be in my youth group, probably. Um, A frame relationships never work, ever. And guys, we are the worst at this. All I need is my wife. I don't need any other guys in my life to share life with. I don't need anybody else out there. I don't have to be vulnerable to anybody. I don't have to talk to anybody. It's just me and her in the world, right? No. That is way too much pressure to put on somebody. That is way too much pressure to put on a friendship. Instead, I say you don't need an A-frame relationship. You need like five relationships that you can bank on to say if one bails because they're dumb... You still have three. They, they're there for you. Don't put all of your... I didn't mean that towards you. Three, four. Hey, I can make a three now, though. That's good. Um, A-frame relationships never, ever work. And I'm telling you, every single time I've seen them and they put all their eggs in one basket, they just, like, crash and burn. And, and I never want that for my girls either. I never want them to get to the point where they have a relationship that, that is crucial to their world. Yes, they're going to have seasons, but ultimately, it's a relationship of they need broad relationships. They need a parent, they need a mom and dad relationship. They need a, a children's ministry worker relationship. They need a youth pastor, youth worker relationship. They, they need ultimately multiple relationships saying the exact same things in their life. And that's what every parent wishes and dreams for. And that's why the body of Christ is so important, that we as a church should be parenting together so that we have more influence moving forward. Relationships are huge. Fight for a relationship with your kids because your kids are always going to be a mix of relationships, experiences, and choices. Don't get so experience-rich. We did all these things. We kept them super busy. We got in every sport. We did every single night. It was packed with something. Great. Good for you. How's the relationship? Oh, it's terrible. But at least we're busy and they're getting all the right things in their life. What? No. Your kids should be relationally deep in experiences, eh, if it works. Don't crowd your schedule so much that your kid is busy in every single experience and their relationships are junk. I was going to use another word, but I didn't. Don't do it. Don't mess your kid up to where life has become all experiences and no relationships. Been there, done that. Youth ministry full of those kind of kids. Don't let it happen. Relationships, last one. So as relationships, the most important one is that we're pointing our kids towards their real dad. Uh, there's no relationship that's more important for our kids and more a more important role for us. Um, I think with this, it's that very deep understanding that we are only caretakers. God is their father, and God loves them more than we ever will. God has a plan for them that we don't know what it is. And so ultimately, we are in a role of being caretakers and doing the best that we possibly can in that role. But ultimately, that role is his um, to manage and his to handle. So we have fears. We have control issues. We have fatigue. We have past. We have all of these different things. But God. 
I think that's one of my favorite phrases that you see in the Bible. And it's normally in a passage where it talks about all of the shortcomings that we have. And then there's something where it changes and it says, but God. And then it puts all of the things that he does. And so that's the thing that I want you to hear this morning is, but God. God is not hindered by you. There is nothing that you can do that is going to hinder what he's going to accomplish. God will accomplish his will in you. God will accomplish his will in your children, irregardless of what you do. Okay? You cannot change his will by a mistake that you make. Okay? God will work all things together for the good of those who love him. That means even my parenting, God will work that together for good. Okay? That's not something that just, that's not a passage we can just apply when somebody gets a cancer diagnosis or a tragedy happens. This is something we can apply now of God will work all things together for good. Okay? Your job is to do the best that you can, to be as faithful as you can, to pray really hard, to lean hard into God, to partner with your spouse, but ultimately to know that God is their father. And we don't have to carry that on our shoulders. So my challenge for you, and it's one of my favorite passages. It's always the one, if anybody talks to me about parenting, this is the passage I come back to. And it's Psalm 139. And it's the passage that talks about how God is deeply involved personally with each one of us. And we always read it about ourselves. We get very good about reading this passage about how God is with us. God goes before us. God's always present with us. We can never get away from his love. All of those different things. But often we don't read it about our kids. So this is my challenge for you. As you read Psalm 139 at some point this week, pray through it together with your spouse. Replace every time where it says me, I, any of those types of pronouns. Replace it with your kids' names. And see how faithful he is and how sovereign he is. So, for example, O Lord, you have searched Hannah and know her. You know when she sits down and when she rises up. You understand Jaden's thoughts from afar. You scrutinize Carly's paths and her lying down. You are intimately acquainted with all of their ways. Even before a word is on their tongue, behold, Behold, O Lord, you know it all. And it changes when you read it that way because you realize that God is sovereign over them in a way that I don't have to control and in a way that I don't have to fix and in a way that I don't have to find just the right parenting trick and then it's all going to be okay. So that's my challenge for you this week. At some point, sit down with that passage and just pray through it. Pray for the peace that comes. Not only that, if you don't have kids, pray that for your spouse. Pray that for your friends. We serve a God who is personally close and intimately involved in all of our lives. He doesn't sit far off and just kind of sit like in front of a TV screen watching what we're all doing. He's personally involved in the details of your life. And so take some time this week with that passage. I think as we end out, I think as we said in the very beginning of the service, we just want this to be an encouragement to you um, that you serve a God who is more faithful than your parenting style. You serve a God who is... um, more involved than you will ever be in your kid's life and loves your kid more than you ever will. And I think for us as parents, it's hard to wrap our minds around that. But I think it's just an encouragement. And I really, as we said, challenge is to read Psalm 139. Um, For your kids, I would challenge you to read them with your kids. Uh, Especially, we've got Thanksgiving and stuff coming up. You're going to have some time together. Uh, Just be encouraged just to kind of walk through those together and uh, just allow that 
view of God to be there. He is fully in control. And just as he loves us, leads us, disciplines us, trains us, um, enhances our relationship with him, so we are to do with our kids. We are to love them, we are to discipline them, we are to train them in righteousness, and we are to enhance their relationship with us. And I'm hoping that that becomes part of our MO moving forward as a church body. And we want you to know that, obviously, like I said, we, we don't have it all together. We don't have the perfect parenting style. But if there are any questions, we'd love to walk through those with you, especially those who maybe um, that we don't have the experience in, obviously, like a blended family or a single parent. Those are, those are areas that we don't have experience in, but would love to kind of talk more about how parenting transcends all of those different scenarios. So let me do this. We're going to go ahead and pray. And then uh, after I pray, we're going to close a little bit differently. So uh, I'm going to make some announcements at the end of this, and then um, we'll release after that. But let me pray for you, pray for our kids, and uh, we'll go from there. Father, I thank you that um, you are the ultimate father. I, I thank you that you are the one who leads us. I thank you that you said you have searched me and know me. Um, you've searched our kids, and you know their hearts. You know when they sit down, when they rise up. You discern their thoughts from afar and you discern ours. And God, I pray that we would remember that we are simply tools of you in the lives of our kids. And I pray today you would leave us uh, leaving here with, with an encouragement that you love us enough and have a faith in us enough to raise these kids. That's crazy. That you, you, you feel like we are capable of doing it. And uh, God, I pray that that would be just an encouragement to us. You have set us up for this. You have gifted us, our children. And so, Father, may we, um, as good parents, return them back to you and say, ultimately, God, you take the lead in any of our parenting. And so this morning, I pray that that would be an encouragement. I pray that we would leave here in a way that says, we may not have it all together, but we know that God goes ahead of us. And uh, we thank you for that opportunity uh, this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen.